0: It's time for Love Talk with the Love Ladies, Kathy, Carrie, and Marley.
1: Well, friends, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Welcome to Love Talk. I'm your host, Kathy Indebrock in studio with my beautiful co-host Marlene McMichael here on the Bridge, Austin, Central Texas Christian Talk, where we are building bridges of love and leadership. It is a beautiful time in Texas, and God is working as we lead with love across Texas and across America. So excited about today's program. Marlene, you have brought in an incredible guest into studio. We're going to introduce him in just a moment. Tell us a little bit about what we're going to be talking about today.
2: We're going to talk about prison ministry, which is foreign to both of us, so I'm very excited to hear about it, what happens in our prisons in Texas, and um, how we can bring God's light in there.
1: You know, I I love this topic because it is a daunting and challenging topic, and I think that when we talk about giving hope to the hopeless – uh, I can't imagine sitting in a prison cell and being in any more of a hopeless situation. And so, friends, I just want to tell you today, if if you are listening and you're thinking, prison ministry, okay, no, 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 that is too depressing. I don't want to talk about prisons today. Let me tell you, today's program is about the transformative work of Jesus Christ in the hearts of those who are completely hopeless. Those who are maybe feel like they have no freedom whatsoever and no future, that everything has been stripped from them. And so, friends, if you are just sitting in a place where you think, you know what, I could use a little bit of hope today. Hey, that transformation that Christ brings, I could use a little bit of that in 2023 well, where you're going to want to listen to today's program and hear about what Christ does in the lives of those who say yes to him. Well, Marlene, what has your week been like? This is the last Saturday in January. So, after after this program today, I don't really think we can start saying happy new year anymore. We're going to have to talk about love in February. We're <laughs> like this is this is a closing off kind of Saturday as we launch into something new in February. How would you sum up your January? Has it been a great start to the new year? Uh yes, and no. Uh, it, it it
2: There was so much cedar in um, the Central Texas area throughout January that I was sick most of it, um, but I think we're past that now and recovering, and I don't know whether the cedar's gone or I'm just over it, but uh, <laughs> it's good. Um, the other thing that I've discovered is that, you know, I am approaching the end of my first year of retirement, and it was like the first year was, you know, moderately slow, and there were things I did. But January hit, and everything got crazy busy. And I'm hoping that isn't an indicator of the entire year, but I do hope <laughs> that um, God makes clear what the path is forward. And that's, that's my prayer. Or January, is that he make clear what things I pick up and what things I lay down. So that's... Uh, you know,
1: I, I love that. I think, you know, one of the things in our program last week, we had the absolute privilege of having a June hunt with us, and we talked a little bit about what things God wants us to work on, what things God wants us to take on And what things God wants us to let go of. And I think, you know, really talking with the Lord, spending time with his word and having those listening ears uh, and discerning heart to really see where he's working and what he's asking of us. It makes such a profound difference as we approach uh, as we approach the year in front of us, as we approach even the
2: day in front of us, let alone the year. Amen. You know, I think it's really important for not only uh, to tell our listeners but also to tell ourselves to not neglect that time in quiet with God because that's where we get that path that is supposed to set be uh, that we walk on it's that it's where we he directs our lives and and directs our future and uh, so i'm i'm really i'm not wanting to say yes to so many things that i can't have that quiet time with just well him. i
1: know one thing that you have said yes to is Governor Abbott appointed you to the One Star Foundation, and I have a question: When when the governor's office calls and asks you to do something, uh, are you can you actually give the governor of Texas a no? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
2: I mean, With a little bit of fear and trembling, well, maybe. I mean, number one. We interviewed Peggy Venable, who's head of appointments for the governor, and she obviously was encouraging all of us to turn in our name as a potential candidate for one of the boards or commissions, and so I did that, and uh, the governor's office did give me a, a, some options, and some I said no to, and, and uh, some they said no to uh, that I had had suggested, So, uh, but I am very pleased with this appointment, and uh, One Star does a lot with volunteerism across Texas, and uh, that's really, besides work, that's what I've spent my life doing is uh, boards and commissions across the community and the county and, and even the state, and so I think it's going to be a good fit.
1: Well, you have made such a profound difference across our state legislature, across our education system within Texas, and one of the things I love about Love Talk is Getting to interview people who are making such an incredible impact right where they are and you know not waiting for someone else not being on the sidelines but stepping in as um one of our guests uh, Nikki Lawrence the C, uh, the president of Black and Decker she says sometimes just a shaky yes is okay God will use a shaky yes and so this gentleman that we have in the studio today I'm so excited about the yes that he's given to the Lord because he has stepped into an area that I have looked into getting involved in before, and and I will tell you, fear has kept me from getting involved. It, it it just has. I just think, no, I'm a young mom. Oh, I have a family. No, maybe that's too dangerous. No, that's I'm not skilled and equipped for that. So I'm really excited to interview the guests that we have with us today, and and I want to lay down before we introduce them. I want to lay down this key verse. For today's program. And friends, I know that so often Coach Carrie Brinkgater shares that key verse with us. And so, uh, Coach Carrie is out at the service to a good friend today. You know, sometimes we have our schedules, our, our plan A. And when we wake up and put our feet to the floor, you know, maybe that plan A becomes a plan C. But then when things get right in front of us and our hands start to move and our feet start to move, we rely on that plan C. And that's the plan of Christ. And so Coach Carey had a friend in crisis call her. And so she has said, okay... Uh, Marlene, Kathy, y'all are on your own. I'm gonna miss our fantastic guest, but I'm gonna be a, a service to a friend today, just ministering, um, for Christ, uh, for this friend. So we just, um, Just, we miss you, Coach Carey, but we're so glad that wherever you are, you're making a difference to those people around you. Well, this scripture, um, Marlene, it comes straight out of Matthew, um, and that is the very first book in the New Testament of your Bible. It's Matthew chapter 25, verse 35 through 36, and it says this, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And those were words that Christ himself spoke um, out to, to those listeners who were listening. And, and I don't know if any of you know it, but Christ never once was in prison. Not, not We don't, through the entire biblical account... Um, you know, aside from when he was betrayed by Judas Iscariot, then he went into prison. But he spoke these words even prior to that happening. And so I, I just love the application of these words in Matthew uh, 25, 35 through 36. And there's another um, scripture in Psalm 69, 33. It says, for the Lord hears the needy and does not despise his own people who are prisoners. So we see a lot of talk about being uh, about uh, ministering to those who are in need, ministering to those who are in prison, ministering to the hopeless. And Marlene, you have a guest today that has really um, put feet and hands to those words.
2: Yes, he has. And our guest is Mr. Kevin Tanner. He is the Central Texas Regional Director of Jubilee Prison Ministry and has been in that role for five years. The Central Texas Region of the Ministry sponsors three prisons, uh, here in Central Texas, they are the Travis State Prison in Austin, the Dominguez Prison in San Antonio, and I'm, I'm not sure I'm saying this right, but it's Haven's Prison Unit in Brownwood, Texas. And Kevin has served in the prison ministry since 2016. Jubilee Prison Ministry is a cross-denominational Christian program designed to engage incarcerated men and women in a life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ. Jubilee is presently serving 14 prison units for both men and women in Texas. And Jubilee focuses on institutions with inmates serving shorter-term, in other words, less than five years, sentences. The ministry has the dual objective of transformation and transition – transition because they want people to be able to live on the outside of prison in a God-driven life. And so, Kevin, welcome, and we just um, are so glad you're here and that you can educate us about what prison ministry is all about. But I know that you also volunteer in civic and community causes, so please tell us more about you and and what you're about and what your background is and about your family a little bit.
0: Well, thank you, Marlene. I. I am married for 37 years. I have uh, three children and five grandchildren. And uh, beyond my service to the Lord, uh, they're my light and my goals. I uh, surround them and bringing them up in love of the Lord. Um, I'm also a deacon for my church in Georgetown, Texas, Christ Presbyterian. And uh, every day I, woke, I wake up with a with a prayer, Lord. Today, your will, not my will, and that's uh, how i uh serve the lord
1: i I love that Kevin. can you tell me um how is it that that you first came to know that Jesus loves you?
0: Well, I should have known it from childhood because uh both of my great and great great grandfathers uh were Methodist ministers in the old white plank uh wooden churches in Texas. Uh, but as a young adult, I drifted away. I got too smart for God. Um, yeah, I'm I'm a guy who's always been uh, an overthinker and, and gave God gave me a brilliant intellect. And um, I was in the IT world and I was just having this amazing career and I thought it was all me. And then one day, God got my attention and humbled me and said, no, I'm the one who gave you that intellect. You've done all this for me. So as I came back to him, through continuing my study of, of science and uh, organizations like Reasonable Faith and Reason to Believe, I, I came back to the conclusion, no, I'm not smarter than God. Einstein believed there was a God. So I had to find my faith, and, and I, um, I was led back to Christianity. Uh, and God's plan was there the entire time.
1: I, I love that. How many years ago was that?
0: Uh, it's been about uh, 15, about 15 years since I really committed back to my faith.
1: Wow, I love, I love that. So you were kind of like a 15 year old Christian then. <laughs> Absolutely. But with a whole lot of maturity. I think that is amazing. I will, I will tell you, I didn't come really to have a, a personal relationship with Christ until my late 20s. I was, you know, just pressing into, into 30 when, when God really got my attention. So I'm just so grateful that He did. I'm so grateful that you were listening and that you put pride aside and really said yes to Jesus, because you've really said yes to Jesus in a big way. In fact,
2: you entered, based on this timeline, you entered prison ministry fairly soon after you made that commitment to the Lord. So what led you to to do this kind of ministry?
0: Well, I had a heart attack Mm -hmm. and uh, I was in the emergency room. And they called my family and said he's got hours to live because I had a blockage in the Widowmaker. And I was laying there praying my morning prayer. Lord, not my will, your will. And just clear as a bell, I heard in my head, you have not visited me in prison.
2: Oh my!
0: I responded back in prayer. Lord, this Kevin Tanner, the arch conservative. I've been <laughs> voting for taxes to build prisons. You want to send me to one? And then sure enough. I heard very clearly, Matthew 35, you have not visited me in prison. And I said, yes, yes lord.
1: Wow, Kathy. Wow. Okay. Well, friends, we have got to go to our break, and that is a story I want to hear more about. Friends, we're going to listen to our sponsors, get a word from them, our incredible sponsors who keep Love Talk on the air and who have kept Love Talk on the air for over 37 years. They are our good friends. You are going to want them to be your good friends. If you have any... And welcome back, friends, to Love Talk here on the Bridge Austin Central Texas Christian Talk. I'm your host, Kathy Endebrock in studio with my amazing co-host, Marlene McMichael, and our incredible guest, uh, Kevin Tanner, with uh, talking with us about the Jubilee Prison Ministry. Now, Kevin, you left us right on the edge with this incredible story in our first segment. You said when we asked you how it is that you got involved in prison ministry, you said that you had a heart attack. You were laying in the hospital. Your family had been called uh and, and, they, and told that you had hours to live. Because you had a blockage in the widow in your widowmaker, and you were praying your morning prayer to the Lord and he gave you that scripture out of Matthew 25 saying you have not visited me in prison and you replied well okay Lord I am a staunch conservative I approve uh, spending bills to build prisons and you're telling me you want me to go and visit them okay Kevin tell us the rest of the story.
0: Well, as soon as I agreed with the Lord that he was he was on the right track that I would go to prison if that's his will for my life, uh the doctors and everybody were amazed things began to stabilize. Um they just couldn't understand it. Uh the blockage was still there. Uh the family came, but there was no longer the urgency. And um I ended up going uh to the uh uh cath lab the next day and I had one stent put in the widowmaker and then everything that was totally out of line my blood sugar my blood pressure everything suddenly nominalized. um you know today I'm I'm still a borderline diabetic and I still have to watch my cholesterol but uh God fully healed me and I um I kept my promise within uh Four weeks, I was sitting inside of a prison in Bartlett, Texas, with my first prison ministry. And I have been so blessed every moment since.
1: Now, this is incredible because this was just in 2016. And so, after this happened in the hospital in 2016, you said, all right, you got right on it. Within four weeks, there you are, sitting in a prison in Bartlett, Texas, but... You've grown to the place where you have an established prison ministry in several prisons where you are doing conferences and, or I would call it maybe retreats. You'll have to explain this to us uh, within the prisons. Tell us about how this ministry has grown and the steps that, that God really, the doors that God opened for you to build it.
0: Well, there are two uh, prison ministries the biggest one in the world is called Kairos, and it is affiliated with the Emmaus Ministries as well. And Kairos uh, has a goal of being the biggest church in the prison system in the world. And that's the first prison ministry I went to work for at Bartlett, Texas, was Kairos. And it was a blessing, and it's still a blessing to the whole world. Well, three members of the Kairos uh, t- uh, family... went to Kairos and said, hey, we all live here in Houston, and there's 20 prisons that aren't served by Kairos. And Kairos said, well, it's because we're the biggest prison uh, church in the world. We don't go to these short-term prisons and the treatment centers. And these three gentlemen decided to split off and create Jubilee to go to these shorter-term prisons. And uh, they asked me if I would uh, come do so, and I jumped in with both feet. And it's been a blessing. I still love Kairos, would do a Kairos if I needed to do one, if God called me to do it, because we're both doing the same thing. I just happen to be the only guy that jumped in with both feet that happened to live in Central Texas, so I quickly grew into being the Regional Central um Director, and um it's been a joy to me, and um, the um ministry itself, as you alluded to, we... We do a three-day weekend twice a year in each unit. So we go in for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, we work with 42 inmates at, at a time. Uh, this applies to both the women's prisons and the men's prison. The only difference is, is if it's a woman's prison, it's women who are going inside. And if it's men, of course, it's men. I have a volunteer group for Central Texas made up about 40 guys uh, because we're only doing men's prison in Central Texas right now. Um, and 24 of us at a time go in and work with 42 inmates on these weekends, and we do. We bring in the outside world to them, and most importantly, the love of Jesus Christ for these three days. We shower them with agape love that they have never experienced in their lives in most cases. Uh, We we bring them food, uh, three meals a day, and it's not the chow line, so... They, they feel blessed even if they're atheist. That's pretty the way that works. But we shower them with God's love.
2: That This is so amazing. I, I have to back up a little bit here. And So you've got your family, and they're crowded around your bed, and you're about to die. And four weeks later, you're in a prison. So tell me what your sweet wife said and your children said when you just t- you wake up from this... A medical emergency and say, I'm going to prison.
0: Well, my ge- kids think I'm crazy. <laughs> my wife has her own ministries, and she sort of said, okay, I'll make cookies. Um, because when we first started this, uh, Kairos was big on cookies, and everybody in the prison got a dozen cookies. And the average prison's, what, 3,000 folks? So that was 3,000 wow. dozen cookies. Wow. <laughs> Wow! <laughs> so my wife made cookies, uh, but uh, since then uh, uh, the health department prefers us to buy cookies. So we still buy cookies. Yeah.
1: But, yeah. Wow! That I mean, I love that because something so simple, oh, yeah. so small, you just think something that is three inches in diameter and about uh, an eighth of an inch thick can warm a grown man's heart in such a profound way.
0: Absolutely. Uh, we, we do the entire prison, even though we're only dealing with 42 inmates at a time on the weekends. But it has a tendency to make a happy atmosphere. And if there's a happy atmosphere in a prison, then the guards are happy and everybody's just more calm. And yet it also is a message. Jesus loves you. He sent you these cookies because mm-hmm. I don't go into a prison unless Jesus sends me. This is a product of prayer. We're there. Wow. As a product of prayer um and everything when when i'm doing the organizing or the 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 weekend leaders doing the organizing looks like there's a roadblock that we're just not going to get past we we pray about it and then we're just amazed because it happens whatever the problem was it goes away and um so i stay prayed up and in the spirit uh as a result of this uh uh working for the prison and and even though I am working to bring uh, basically three meals a day to 100 people, when you add up the the inmates and the volunteers, it never feels like work. When you step back wow. and look after the fact, it's a giant logistic effort, but it never feels like work. So the food, if
2: the health department wants the food, the cookies bought. How, how, what kind of food are you bringing
0: in? We we bring in restaurant prepared food mostly. Uh, if we if we make it homemade, we usually make it in a church that has a health certificate now. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, I I bring in barbecue from the best barbecue restaurant with all the fixings. I bring in. I can bring in Chick Fil A. I can bring in fried chicken, and. Um, you know, even the hardest head that, that I get in my 42, you know, it's like they say, a woman gets to a man through his stomach. You know? Yeah. It, it, it applies. So does Jesus, apparently. <laughs> apparently so. Well, he did feed
2: the 5,000. I mean, right. you know?
0: It's, um, food is a big part, but mostly it's the, the people on the outside. You know, I go in with 24 volunteers. But I am surrounded by thousands of people who pray. You know, if you remember back during your young childhood at Christmas time, you would take sheets of uh, construction paper, green and red, and you would loop them together in a chain and hang Mm -hmm. them around your tree. You all remember that? Well, I do that every time I go into prison. I take slips of paper that people have signed, and they commit that during the three days they will pray for the unit that we're in. And we create these prayer chains that can be 2,000 links long. Wow. And wow. Uh, uh, it's all individual people. And when the inmates see that, they see this huge paper chain coming in with all these names from all over the world, because we let them submit online, um, that they're praying for them. They don't even know them. That's agape love that they have never experienced. Because one of the things that... People don't connect to prisons. You see an occasional report. But I tell you, 97% of the gentlemen that I deal with never knew their father. And their mother was usually had a, a substance abuse problem of some kind. And these folks have just been broken. Um, and uh, that's just a reality. So love is not something they're familiar with. Empathy for others is not something they've developed in childhood. Um, mm-hmm. It's very much the the Lord of the Flies, survival of the fittest. I'm doing what I'm doing because I've got to get what I gotta get, and yeah. uh, that's what's happening in prisons. So when you come in with Jesus' love and you show them this church that is Jesus Christ is praying for you this weekend, they're paying for these meals. They're sending you this love, and they don't care what you did. They want you to know that God loves you and can provide you the forgiveness and the fresh start that you desperately need.
2: Hmm. So what's the, um, when you go in there, kind of walk through the day for us so that we can get a picture of, I mean, obviously you don't start right out preaching the gospel, but but like if if you if. If one of your your volunteers, how do they connect with these prisoners? How how are they, other than feeding them, how are they showing that love of Christ?
0: Well, the Jubilee program is a program. It's a series of uh, uh, ten talks that the first day we're worried about teaching them that God loves them, that they're not forgotten, they're not abandoned. And that first day I've got uh, these what we call table families. They're all... Uh, named after, uh, martyred saints. Uh, so the table family of, uh, Luke, for instance, um, has six volunteers and, um, uh, excuse me, five volunteers and six inmates. And, um, they just sit and talk for that first day. Uh, we have some programs like that prayer chain, uh, prayer videos that we record of people saying they're praying for them. We talked to them just about agape love in the first four talks on that day. We've brought in breakfasts, which is usually muffins and fruit, which they never see. And we bring in a really great lunch. At the end of the day, they get a sack lunch. But all through that day, we're just listen, listen, love, love. That's our motto. We're there to hear them. We're there to call them by name. Because Mm -hmm. in the prison institution, they are known by their bed number not their first name. Oh
1: my. Oh wow. That that is brutal to have that stripped away from you, not to even have a name but to be known by your your bed number. I can't imagine that. And I love what you said here as well, Kevin, that your approach is to listen, listen. Love, love, because on last week's program, we talked about new ears for the new year and how to listen well. that we based it on that um, the scripture found in James chapter one, verse nineteen uh, that says, be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry for man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. And so I love that you're not coming here to tell them about anything that they have done wrong. You are telling them, you are listening to their story and just loving them, just showing them what love truly feels like. And and so I have a question for you here. You know, when, when we've interviewed guests that um, have different ministries, you know, some of them are under the Catholic Church, some of them are under the Baptist Church, some of them are, you know, just under various denominations, but Jubilee is a cross denominational ministry. Can you explain what, what that means and what tenets of faith are really important to the organization?
0: Well, basically, the organization requires that you believe in the gospel, that Jesus is God, came down to earth, lived a sinless life, was crucified, dead and raised again. If we're in agreement with that, we're happy to have you go love on these guys in prison because that's the way God looks at it. If you're part of the body of Christ, you're welcome to be part of Jubilee. And uh, its uh it's been that way. And, and I've had all... I've had uh, Catholics, I've had Baptists, and we don't get in arguments about the difference in theology because we're too busy loving on these guys.
2: When you're talking about the listening to them, so are they reluctant to speak? Are they anxious to talk? And and how do you generate that conversation that you're listening to?
0: Well, they are all very apprehensive on the first half of the day
2: because okay. they're
0: looking at you like, why are you here? And what do you expect from me?
2: <laughs> okay. I can, get, I, I, yeah, I, totally would the same I relate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: And, uh, that's why that first day, all we're doing is bringing in proof of God's love. That's, that's really the agape love is what we're focused on because again, from broken families, they came, they've never experienced that love in most cases, um, you know, a lot of them been through the foster care system. They never had anybody hold them as babies. And love is something that they've always paid for, just, not in everything they just right. received, right? So that's what we're there for. Uh, none of us are preachers. None of us are sitting there doing the fire and brimstone kind of talk. It's just, do you know my Lord? They'll say, what brings you in here? Why would you give up your weekend with your family? Because God sent me and He loves me and therefore I love you. That's
1: it. Wow, that. That's incredible. So you're saying that, so out of the 10 talks, the very first that you do is just focused on that agape love, just that unconditional showering them with love, not just your team that is there, but showing them that thousands of people from all over the globe are praying for them this specific weekend. So what's the next step?
0: Well, one of the first things we also do is is we level set, you know. We never ask an inmate, what are you in jail for? That, that's not something that's between them and God. And uh, we're here to help them work out the love and the forgiveness aspect. But we, we, we have a talk that says, you know what the difference between you and me is? Because I'm just as guilty as you. God says I am guilty of every sin. And the difference is you've been found guilty by the state and you're serving time. But I'm just as guilty as you. Mm -hmm. Once we set that level with them, that takes them out of their fear that we're there to judge them, because we're certainly not. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Now, do we say they're innocent and they need to be let out of jail? No, that's not what we're about. They're serving the time that God believes they need to be serving. So we don't uh, make excuses uh, for what happened that got them in there. But we we tell them that the Lord is offering forgiveness. And many times I will tell them, have you ever thought that maybe God sent you to prison to get your attention because he loves you and he wants a relationship with you? And if he hadn't sent you to prison, he wouldn't have slowed down enough to, to hear it. Mm. So those are the kinds of things we're doing on that first day.
1: I, I um, love that. I love that question. It's a question that helps them to completely shift up the perspective from being uh either a victim or falling under self-condemnation to starting to be able to see the love of Christ for them and that they're not abandoned and that they're not alone but that they are dearly loved. So so you you said that you have a Friday and a Saturday and a Sunday with them where do you see the biggest change coming during the weekend?
0: It's really Saturday. Saturday, our focus is forgiveness. So forgiveness that they need to give, forgiveness they need, and forgiveness that um, they can receive from God. So it's the three different aspects of forgiveness. We work on that all day Saturday because, you know, they don't, a lot of times they don't believe they're worthy of forgiveness. They don't believe they're worthy of God's attention. So we have to work through all of those uh aspects and um, along the way we get a little bit of the gospel in there and about uh, uh God's attitude Jesus's attitude uh, in the Lord's Prayer you must forgive so that my father in heaven can forgive you <clears throat> mm. so we we work through that and that's where we see hearts open and the tears flow out of the meanest gravelous gang members you ever seen well, uh,
2: when you're when you're talking about forgiveness is there is there is this a dialogue? Is this done table to table like Luke's table like you talked about before, right. or is it done in a big group
0: so the whole group goes through the talks. the talks talk about the big picture items on there, and then we have individual discussion in each family. And the family may be asked to do a poster or set together a skit. Or we do things to prompt the conversation. So for about 30 minutes at every table after every talk, they discuss the, the ideas. And this gives them one-on-one opportunity to open their hearts.
2: And I love the fact that you call these tables the family. Mm-hmm. Because that's that's Some. where their brokenness came from, generally, mm-hmm. is from their family.
0: Absolutely. And uh, there are tight bonds connected. The other reason for the family table is we're also trying to form a community group like you do with your church. Because we're only there for three days and then a half day the following week. We want them to be a family community so that they can get together within the prison and hold each other up. But the forgiveness gets the tears going, gets them open. Uh, It gets them starting on healing. Uh, we, uh, we, we see amazing things because half the battle is done. When you go to prison, the folks in there already know they're sinners. They already know they're guilty. That's half the battle for an evangelist. So all you have to do is bring them the gospel, the forgiveness and the love. And the response is always amazing. We do 42 guys uh, every weekend, and the least I've ever seen come to Christ has been 38. Now, I'm not allowed to baptize, but I pass out a cross and a Bible, and we put the cross around their neck saying, uh, Jesus is counting on you, and they respond, I am counting on Jesus.
1: Oh, I love that. And so, Kevin, I love that you look at not just transformation, but transition, where your goal is once they receive that freedom that is found only in Christ through the forgiveness of sins, and once they have received that and understand that that same power that raised Jesus from the dead is that same power that is living in them through the Holy Spirit, that they truly are free because Christ has set them free, even though what they wake up to each morning may not look to them like freedom. They can still live free in Christ But you want them that after they get out of prison for them to be able to transition well and walk out that freedom every day. What does that consist of?
0: Well, day three of our walk is about the church. It's about God's church. And, you know, many of them may have been hurt by the church in the past. They may have been rejected for who they were. So we talk about that, that the church is made of people and that it belongs to God. And it's not about the building and it's not about the fundraising. And we go through those kinds of talks. And then we talk to them about, you know, when you get out of this prison, you can come back and serve the Lord in the prison. So when I tell you I've got those 40 guys in Central Texas with me, 15 of them are former inmates. (laughs) And they've got a testimony that is just so correct and, and right with those guys that they're talking to. So, yes, I, I stay in contact with many folks that have been through the program, and many of them come back and serve with me.
1: Amazing. That is incredible. Well, I want to hear some of these transformation stories because some of the highlights of my Christian walk have been watching God do the absolute impossible. Somebody or, or, or a situation or a person that I thought absolutely impossible for god to do anything here and then just being able to be a witness to the transformational work of christ is amazing so i when we come back we're we're gonna go ahead and, and and take a break now to hear from our sponsors we have incredible sponsors Uh, Casa Mechanical and Tim Smith Landscaping and and Santa Rita Ranch and all these sponsors that have kept Love Talk on the air for over 37 years. But when we come back, Kevin, I want you to share some of these transformation stories with us that just make you stop and go, wow, God, wow. Friends, you're going to want to stay with us. We have one more segment left, on Love Talk. We'll and be back. Welcome with back, you. friends, Stay to Love us. Talk here on The Bridge Austin, where we are building bridges of love and leadership. We have an incredible guest on with us this morning. Kevin Tanner with Jubilee Prison Ministry. Well friends, we've had an incredible first two segments and if you have missed them, you're going to want to go to our podcast. Go to whichever podcast site you you use and type in Love Talk, all one word. And when you type in Love Talk, all one word, you will see our three beautiful faces just smiling right back at you and you'll know that you have found the correct podcast that you can click on and share with friends. You can also, if you're a live streamer, you can go to our archive archives at lovetalknetwork.com and access any of our programs there as well and there is that search function all you have to do is type in prison ministry or kevin tanner and the program will come right up for you well friends the first two uh, segments we have gotten to know kevin and hear all about jubilee prison ministry and how god has used this ministry to just bring transformational work into lives of of, of all of prisoners from all backgrounds and so Kevin when we were going out from our second segment um, I, I basically gave you a little bit of forewarning so in, in all fairness I'm not throwing you too much in the hot seat because you haven't been able to prepare your answer for this but I want to hear about these transformational stories just something where you have looked and said wow God I never thought that that would be possible can you share some of those with us
0: Well, of course, I uh, never envisioned myself not doing this. And the reason is going into prison, because I tell people when I'm recruiting them, that you can go your whole life every day, go into the church every time the church is open and never see the Holy Spirit move. Let me take you to prison and I will show you miracles. I see miracles every time I go into the prison. So I the miracles are normally the transformed lives of the inmates. But sometimes it's the transformed life of the guards. Mm-hmm. But let's uh, talk about, uh, I'll give you one of 50 examples that I've got of miracles and transformed lives. Uh, we'll call him Henry. He's a member of the MS-13 gang. And Henry uh, is four foot wide and six and a half feet tall, and he's all muscle. And I meet him in Bartlett prison when I'm still a newbie. Well, we're meeting there on Friday evenings, having a little worship service that we did every week at Bartlett. And Henry would come in with a scowl on his face, and he wasn't able to talk. He would just stand there with his two other MS-13 gang members who brought him in and stare at us, gringos. I think he would call us. And uh, eventually, because we would pray for him every Friday night, eventually he regains the ability to talk. And he walks up to me and he says, "Um, I'm still waiting for what you want from me. And I said, I just want you to hear about Jesus. And uh, we were going to have our three-day weekend in about three weeks. So I got Henry signed up. I said, Henry needs to come. So Henry comes to our weekend and he walks over to me and he says, you got me in this thing, didn't you? I said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, uh, Henry has six teardrops above his eyebrow. And in the tattooed and in the world, that means he is either beaten somebody down into the hospital or killed them for each teardrop. It's represents a mother's teardrop. So Henry is not a great guy at this point. So anyway, Henry sits through the three day weekend on the third day he comes over to me and he says, you're legit. I said, well, thank you, Henry. As I sit there shivering, because remember he is six foot five and four foot wide. Um, and he says, you haven't asked me for anything. All you've wanted to do is give me love. He says, I've never known love. And I said, well, Henry, that's, that's what Jesus Christ is all about. And he gives me a hug. And then he tells me a little of his story. And um, he's MS-13 out of California. He's what they call a capo, which means he's in the revenue stream. It's about the highest level you can get. And, um, he had some guys out selling drugs, and another gang's group robbed his guys, so he had to get in his car and go find them. And, um, Henry is, again, not a nice guy. He finds these guys, he hangs them up in an abandoned barn, tortures them, leaves them to die. Uh, Henry isn't addicted to what he sells, he uses PCP to get a high, because that's what it takes. For him to get high, so after he's done the awful deed to these two guys, he gets in his uh, car and runs off high on PCP. Gets in a high-speed chase, runs into a car with a family in it, kills two people in that car, is arrested. But in the chase, uh, the police officer had shot Henry in his lower back. And they had disabled him. So his uh, lawyers get him off. He doesn't do any time for that. But now he's in a wheelchair and disabled. And he said, that's okay. California's, uh, as he called it, liberal welfare system gave me a driver-assisted van for free. So he's driving his van, uh, having a good old time. It happens again. Two guys steal from his drug dealers. But this time they go to Texas. And he gets in his driver-assistant van and goes to Texas, finds these two guys, and surprisingly enough, finds another abandoned barn. And he strings them up, and he cuts their feet so they'll bleed slowly. Oh my. And uh, then he gets his PCP and goes on into his driver-assisted van and does it again. Runs into another family when he's chased by the cops and uh, kills another. Uh, has another vehicular homicide charge. Well, in this accident, he goes into a coma. He goes into a coma for three years. And uh, in this coma, uh, they've got a new prosecutor, one of those brand new right out of college prosecutors. And he wants he wants all these charges against uh, Henry as soon as he wakes up. Because they've got him driving under the influence, uh, dealing drugs, uh, They found the two guys before they died, so they've got attempted murder. They've got the vehicular uh, homicide. They've got all these charges, and this particular prosecutor wants Henry for it. Well, after three years, Henry wakes up. Well, the hour he wakes up, this prosecutor takes him before the judge. Oh, my. Well, if you've ever dealt with anybody coming out of a coma, you know that they can't talk, they can't eat, they can't do anything. They have to learn it all over again. They can't speak, but he's in front of this judge and he's sitting there staring at the judge, drooling out the side of his mouth. And the judge is saying, "Can you understand what I'm saying?" And Henry is yelling at him all kinds of curse words, but it's not coming out. So the judge looks over at the prosecutor and says, "How long has this man been out of the coma?" And the judge, the prosecutor is very happy. He says, "Oh, about 35 minutes." The judge gets so mad at the prosecutor, he dismisses all charges except for the driving out of the influence. All the charges. So here I am with, uh, so Henry shared that with me on, on the fourth day when he took his cross and took his Bible. And um, God has the ability to redeem anybody. The following Friday when I was back, Henry came in and he gave me this bear hug. I thought he was going to squeeze me to death. And he put me down and he said, you saved a man's life today. And I said, how did I save a man's life? He said, well, I was in the shower and this little guy from another gang had um, come up to me and insulted me and my family and my former gang family. He said, normally I would have just twisted his neck to hear it pop and then let him die on the floor. He said, but I remembered the love. So I said, Jesus saved a man's life today. Wow. So that's one of the longer testimonies, but that's why I go to, to Jubilee Prison Ministry. I want to encourage everybody that uh, you can go to prison too. It's not scary. I feel safer there than I do in the mall because I'm surrounded by these 30 guys that if anybody wanted to act badly, I'd have 30 of them between me and the and the bad <laughs> actor because they love me so much as brothers in Christ. So it's very safe. You do have a lot of training you have to accomplish, but it's very manageable, both with the state and with Jubilee. And I encourage you to go to our website, jubileeprisonministry.org. And uh, we always need money. Uh, Jubilee is one of the best organizations I've ever seen. We have no paid employees. Every dime that you give goes directly to a prisoner in a weekend. Um, we we don't have any overhead. It's all volunteer-based. So we always need money. Um, and uh, uh, reach out. I'll take you to prison. You'll be blessed.
2: Amen. Well, that, wow, I, thank I, I, you. <laughs> what a story. What a story. It's just, um, I love how God can redeem us, regardless That's, of our background.
1: And I love how God can take our past behavior our past tendencies and just change our hearts once we come to know the love of Christ that agape love that just changes everything well friends we are at the end of our hour and we thank you so much For spending this time with us, this hour on your Saturday, we hope, friends, that you have just come to know the amazing work of Christ and how he just loves you and how he can work in those deepest, darkest places within your heart. And we just encourage you. To get out and step into this year, 2023, that he has for you, whether it's volunteering someplace that you've never volunteered before or just giving him your shaky yes to whatever, whatever he's asking you to step into. Well, friends, I love spending time with you every week. And I would just say from all of the love ladies, Coach Carrie Brinkater and Marlene McMichael, I'm Kathy Enderbrock. We thank you for being with us each Saturday at 10 a.m. Come visit us in our archives. Visit us in our podcast. See us on Instagram, Facebook. Let us hear from you and what you would like to hear us talk on. We look forward to being with you next Saturday. God bless your week.